you have just made the best decision of your day by choosing to listen to the Holistic Bitches Unfiltered Podcast with me, Leslie Rubinoff, the OG Holistic Bitch. You're guaranteed to laugh, have a what the fuck moment, and truly be inspired to change small things in your life that will have you reaping the rewards of living a truly holistic life, mind, body, and soul. Welcome back to Holistic Bitches Unfiltered with your host, Leslie Rubinoff. That's me, the OG Holistic Bitch. And today, today's episode is all about traditional Chinese medicine. And I have so many questions, but better than questions is I have the best leader in traditional Chinese medicine. It is my dear friend, Claire Cohen, who's also a fellow Canadian residing in Canada. She's on the West Coast. And Claire is a graduate of the Inter... International College of Traditional Chinese Medicine of Vancouver, where she completed a five-year program at the Doctor of Traditional Chinese Medicine level. She's a licensed acupuncture since 2003, founder of the Healing Cedar Wellness and Multidisciplinary Clinic in Vancouver. Lucky for you who live there. She has been teaching acupuncture online and in person to future practitioners for over 14 years, and she has been a speaker and presenter at many conferences over her career. She's published two books and magazine articles. She's also the founder of AcuPro Academy, which is an online platform where she provides acupuncture and Chinese medicine resources, online courses, videos, and PDFs for practitioners and students. And Clara is also like the master of building an Instagram account. I've never seen anything like it. She went from zero to like over 60,000 on one account. She has 60,000 on another account. So we'll make sure to add her um, accounts here in the show notes. But Clara, I'm so, so, so excited to have you because I love you and I think you're amazing. And I'm so excited to share your knowledge with the audience. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I feel like, wow, this was my eulogy. I loved it. (laughs) Oh, no. And I was like, great, I've done it all. I can go. Thank you very much. Close. Done. Oh, <laughs> all right. Episode over. We don't need the information. That's it. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited because, you know, I've dabbled in acupuncture and um, it's worked when I've used it. But um, let, let's talk about like, what is Chinese traditional medicine even mean? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a great start. Um, so traditional Chinese medicine, which in short, we say TCM because it's so long. And uh, as you can hear with my French accent, everything that I can make easier in English is easier for me. So um, TCM is literally something that was obviously brought up in China. You know, at the root origin, Ayurvedic medicine is going to tell you that every medicine in the world comes from Ayurveda. And Chinese medicine, TCM or traditional Chinese medicine does as well. So it is rooted in Ayurveda or Ayurvedic medicine from India, but it became its own medicine in China, you know, 700 years ago. Some people say longer than this. And it became this medicine that everybody used until Mao, until 1949. So it was really what people did and what I loved about it and what it encompasses, which we can talk about it in a minute, but is that, and I know you would enjoy this too, it is a preventative medicine. It's not just a help you heal medicine. It is a preventative medicine at the core. So what happened is, you know, in China, in rural China in, in, in the past, what people would do is they would go see their TCM doctor and the doctor would tell them what to do. You know, eat this food, don't eat this, go to bed at that time, do this, do that. Recommendation of lifestyle and things that people had to do to stay healthy. And this, you had to pay the doctor every time you go see the doctor to tell you what to do. Once you got sick, the doctor had to treat you for free because you did everything they told you. And if you got sick, then something wasn't right. So then you pay. You only paid if you got sick, but you went, or you didn't pay, sorry, you didn't pay if you got sick, but you only paid for preventative. So you pay for prevention and you didn't pay if you were sick. It's the reverse of our now, you know, medical system. Take care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like completely reversed because now we just go and pay when we're sick, but, you know, 
prevention, nobody wants to do that. So it's like, I don't want to pay to check if I have, you know, sensitivities to some food and why do I have that? I don't want to pay to check if my gut microbiome is good or not. Like, I just want to be healed, you know, without paying anything. And it's like, well, you know, so it, it's very different. And then I think a lot of people think Chinese medicine or TCM is just acupuncture. But as you know, because you've had it, it encompasses moxibustion or moxotherapy. Um, oh, I love cutting. that. Right. I know you do because it's warm and it's, especially when you live in Montreal or you're in Canada and it's cold and, you know, most women really respond really well to moxotherapy. So it has cupping, ear or auricular acupuncture and you know in the ear we have 200 points it represents the whole body so there's a lot of microsystem like reflexology in different area of the body as well of course diet is a huge part and then herb uh, herbology is also a huge part of Chinese medicine electroacupuncture qigong tai chi all part of tcm so it's a big medicine right and you know actually when i was in um, uh, in China and I was in Beijing, they have like a huge, I think it's like one of the original Chinese medicine centers. Yeah. The hospital. So, yeah. And, you know, it was interesting to go there, but you know, Claire, can you talk a bit about like a lot of Chinese traditional Chinese practitioners, they work with the pulse and the tongue. Yes. So can you talk about like the geographic mapping of the tongue and the pulse and what they kind of indicate when assessing a patient? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. So I'll just give you the big picture and go towards the tongue and pulse. Um, the way TCM practitioners, when you do a first consultation, they have four things they, they utilize to figure out what's going on with your body. And one of them, the biggest one, of course, that most people understand is inquiry or questioning, right? We're going to ask you everything. If you come because you've had chronic back pain for 20 years, we're going to ask you about the back pain, of course. But your sleep, your stress, your digestive system, your immune system, your reproductive, everything. So inquiry is a big part. As we ask questions, and that can take about 45 minutes on the first day, we're going to observe. And observation is a huge part of TCM. So observing if your hair is dry, if you have um, red cheeks, if you have uh, crackly lips, sorry, if you have nails that are brittle and, and, you know, broken or brittle or pale for that matter, if you have the way you, you stand, if you look slouchy, like you're tired instead, or if you have, you know, the restless leg syndrome where your leg is shaking, shaking nonstop. So you, you're super hyper. We're going to observe everything. And one of the observation tool that we have that I love that you just mentioned is the tongue. So yeah. we're going to look at the tongue and we're going to ask people to stick the tongue out and to look at their tongue. And the reason is because TCM is so, you know, ancient in its way of healing, there was no imagery in the past and there was no way of doing a blood test and check out what, you know, your ferritin or iron level was. There was no way of checking if you had, you know, any kind of issues internally from an X-ray or an MRI or any kind of imagery. So the tongue is an amazing tool in reflecting what's going on inside the body. So we look at four things on the tongue. And you can interrupt me anytime if you have like something. Yeah, no, I'm listening. I'm all good with that. Go ahead. So the four things we look at the tongue is first, we look at the color of the tongue. So the color of the tongue can be very pale. And that indicates for us that there may be anemia. There's definitely a deficiency, either minerals. In general, it's usually a mineral deficiency. It could be zinc, magnesium. So it doesn't tell us which deficiency you have, but it gives us an indication what to look for and what to tell the patient they should check for. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know what? You need to go check your iron. Have you had anemia in the past? The person will say yes. You're like, okay, well, you know, I would check that again. It could be red. So if it's red, there's inflammation somewhere in the body. So inflammation is a big thing. Where is it in the body? I'm going to talk about that in a second. But red is usually inflammation. And then it could be purple. So purple means you have blood circulation issue. It could be you have clots. You have uh, you know things like Reynolds disease. You have a low blood circulation that is not properly functioning. Or you have pain. Chronic pain will show us purple as well. So that will show because when there's pain, there's gathering of blood in one area where the pain is. So that also shows us purple. So we look at the tongue color and then we can determine a few things. Then 
we're going to look at the coat on the tongue. So the coat can be color, like if it's white, thick coat, you know that's not great. For most people, it's either candida, some kind of overgrowth bacteria. It could be SIBO. Um, it could be a lot of things, but it tells us that there is definitely something in the digestive system with a lot of overgrowth or bacteria that shouldn't be there. Not a good bacteria. So that's often the case. If we are sick, we have like a cold or a flu, that will show as well on a coat. It could be a yellow coat or a white coat. And that tells us that, again, we have a bacteria or a virus infection, right? So that shows as a coat. So that's something we can get rid of and we can work on. As well, we look at the moisture of the tongue. So is it really dry? Is it cracked? Like I call it the Grand Canyon. You know, some people, their tongue is super cracked, deep cracked. That means you're constantly dehydrated all the time. So it gives you clues of, hey, you know, you're not drinking enough fluid. Look at your tongue. It's so cracked. Or it could be that you are not lubricating enough, not enough vitamin E, vitamin D, um, omega-3s, essential fatty acids, food is not in your body enough or you're not eating enough. So it also would be cracked. So it's either not enough liquid or water electrolyte or not enough um, lubrication, which would mean essential fatty acids and, and that kind of food like avocado, salmon, you know, I know you don't right. eat salmon, but you know, uh, nuts, seeds, etc. So that's what we look at. If sometimes the tongue can look greasy, so it's the opposite. Instead of looking dry, it looks like shiny, like there's oil on it. And it's too shiny. And so if it's overly shiny, that means this is the opposite problem of dryness, is you have too much fluid in your body, which means often it's due to diet, which is often the case with sugar, cheese, alcohol will create a lot of excess fluid and it will impair the lymphatic system. So then the tongue is going to have that excess greasy looking like. So that's what we look for as well. So that gives us clues to ask more questions in that direction. And then we're going to look at the shape of the tongue. That is one of my favorites. Um, a lot of people, you know, when they stick their tongue out, specifically, sorry, nowadays, is they have teeth marks along the edge of the tongue, like they're biting, because they are, they're clenching, they're biting all day long. So that tells us they're stressed, they're overthinking, they're worrying, and there's a lot of stress in their body. So, you know, when I say to someone, oh, are you stressed? I'm like, no, not really, because they're so used to be on the fight or flight. To them, it's not stress, but then they stick their tongue out and I'm like, oh, so you clench, you overthink and you worry. And they look at me and they go, uh, well, yeah, doesn't everybody? <laughs> like, so you are stressed, you're stressing about things, right? So that shows us also if the tongue is really swollen, that means also, again, the lymphatic system is not draining enough. There's water retention or we're not able to process uh, fluids properly. So that kind of, in a nutshell, gives you the tongue diagnosis things that we look at. So it's interesting because, look, we have so many maps for the to the body in so many places. We have feet that tell a lot. We have the tongue. We have the eyes. We have the skin. We have the hair. Um, even the fingernails. And again, you know, the way that things show up is is different. And every practitioner, you know you know, there's Ayurvedic medicine, there's Chinese medicine, there's like my holistic practitioner as a practitioner, the way that we work. So, you know, all of those things are such good indications and, you know, you can muscle test and there's so many ways to do things. But, you know, the, the thing for me is how do we combine everything together? So somebody's getting the full holistic. So we know we have to treat the emotional. We know we have to supplement and, you know, get rid of parasites and open the channels of elimination. So where, if we're combining things, does Chinese traditional Chinese medicine kind of like fit in with the acupuncture, with the cupping, with, with, you know, Chinese herbs are different than other herbs. Like how do we make it? So we have like a really strong circle of everybody together. Yeah, that's a great question. That's actually a really good question. I love that. Um, so, when it comes to, I'll give you a kind of perspective from TCM because, you know, it's, we don't, this is why there's so many, so many different kind of avenue you can go to. And some people will resonate with something more than others, right? A lot of people are like acupuncture, no way, oh, I'm scared of needles. You know, that's the first thing people will say, but there's other part of Chinese medicine that we can use and TCM that we can use as well. We don't always have to do acupuncture. However, what I like about most 
non-conventional, if we call them that way, uh, medicine, like what you're doing, what I'm doing, what Ayurveda is doing, is that we treat, and this is really hard for people, we treat the person as a whole. And that's really hard for people because they've been used to, oh, can you give me one thing that's going to work for insomnia for me, my sister, my best friend, my husband, everybody has insomnia. If you give me one thing, it's going to work for all of us. And I'm like, well, no, but that's the difficulty, right? You're all different people. You have different insomnia. You have different lifestyle. You have different diet. You have a different body, a different emotional stress. You have different uh, DNA. You also have a past that is, you carry the cells of your past that are completely different from the person next to you, even though you both have insomnia. So the, the challenge is to explain and educate everybody that, you know, there is there are different avenues, but what we all do is we want to treat you as a whole and treat you individually. So what works for you won't work for you know, your husband or your your grandfather or your sister, because we are different. And that's tough because conventional medicine will treat you as a Band-Aid, right? It will not look for the root of the, the problem. And that's what I love about what we do is we look for the root of the problem. And what is the root cause? We can't just be a Band-Aid. For two minutes, we can. If, it you know, someone just obviously slipped and sprained their ankle, we could just address that. But in general, everybody has chronic issues that we need to address and look at the root cause. And that's the hard challenge is when you look at the root cause, it means that people or patients or anyone, all of us, have to be in charge of our health and we can go ask for guides. So you're a guide in what you do. I'm a guide in what I do. And what people have to really, really grasp is that the guide will take you up to the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain is when you get healthy, right? That's the health. That's where we want optimum health at the top of the mountain. And, you know, you and I are going to guide people to the top of the mountain, but they need to walk. They are being used to be carried. We give them a pill and that's it, right? They need to do the work. I'll show you the way to the top, but you need to walk. I can't carry you. And when patients understand that, it means compliancy. It means doing the work together, not just me doing the work and you just going, okay, I'm just going to sit there and do nothing, right? And I think that's the challenge of, um, you know, the whole world around us is to change that mindset. And whatever I know to answer your question is whatever modality speaks to you, you know, whatever practitioner speaks to you, I know a lot of people really love you because you're so good at what you do, then it's, it's you connect with Leslie, then you connect with Leslie. And then you're like, okay, let's do this together, right? So so to answer your question, you know, how do we put them all together? I don't know if it's, um, that's a tough one to do because, you know, some people are going to connect with some medicine. Like, you know, I, I grew up with chiropractic medicine, osteopath, uh, homeopath as well. And I grew up with all this, including acupuncture. So to me, that was part of my system. But for example, Reiki, I didn't grow up with that. So either I go try it and I feel like, okay, this is something that's calling me or I don't. And that's okay. Right. So I don't know if you, I think it's just more of an intuition for each patient. Right. And you know, the other thing that I also think is really interesting too, is the way that you guys look at the pulse yeah, and the role that that kind of plays in like identifying things. Yeah. So the, the tongue, the observation is easy because I also teach, right? And so when I teach students, I'm like, when we have to observe the hair, the, the skin, you know, the nails, the tongue, it's visual. So we can all say, oh, look, this is a bit green or this is blue or this is this color or this is dry or this is, you know, red. When it comes to the next one, so we talked about inquiry and um, observation. We have also palpation, which is part of our medicine uh, to try to make a diagnosis. And palpating means palpating the body. If you have pain somewhere, I need to check. If you have a growth somewhere, I'm gonna check. But the biggest part of palpation and TCM, just like you said, is the pulse. So taking the pulse is a little bit different than when you go and, you know, in the conventional medical system, they take your pulse just to know how fast your beats are. So you have 75 beats per minute, you're good. You know, if you have a lower or higher, let's look at what's happening. So that's how we look for the beats. For sure, we look for the beats. The, you know, is this a rapid pulse, a slow pulse, or a normal pulse? But we, 
this is really hard because it's palpating. So it's harder for people because it's tactile. If you are tactile, it's great. And I have students that are not tactile. So it takes them a while. And it is a very difficult part to to master in TCM. I've been practicing for almost 20 years now. And yeah. uh, I'm still, still sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like it takes me a while. But right. what we do is we take the pulse on both sides, the right and the right. left right. of your wrist. And we have three position for each side. So on one side, this is what we talk uh, on the right side, sorry. This is more the yang side, which means it's more the energy side or the chi side. On mm -hmm. the left side, it's more yin. So yin is more blood. It's more, um, you know, related to blood, to your DNA, to your structural self. So on the right side, we have three little paws. So we put three fingers and we have the lung and the large intestine, the spleen and the stomach. And then we have the reproductive system and the bladder. So it's kind of like one, two, three. So it kind of starts at the top and then works its way down. So the spleen and stomach in Chinese medicine really represents the digestive system. So that's more on the right. On the left side, we have the heart and the pericardium. We have the liver and the gallbladder. So this is, you know, a little bit more channel of elimination and in, in detoxification, I guess, um, in that side. And then we also have what we call the Sanjiao, which is the lymphatic system corresponding to uh, the Chinese medicine meridian. So when we look at the pulse, we don't just count the beat. We see if it's strong. Like if it feels right. like it's pushing against your finger, or if it's super weak that I have to press so hard, it's so deep and I can barely feel it, it's so faint. People that have a faint, deep, weak pulse, that is a deficiency. There's something that is not happening in the body, they're really weak, deficient. Someone that has a bounding, big, large, pushing pulse, because that's a bit too much, that's someone that has excess, too much you know, we need to detoxify. There's too much stuff in them. So that gives you an idea. Then we look at the quality of the pulse. Some pulse feels like a guitar string. We call them wiry pulse, and that's very common on stressed people. Uh, we right. have a slippery pulse, which is usually a pregnancy pulse. So that's happened to me one time because I was teaching pulse in class, and I have about 35 students in the class. And, you know, we're taking pulse, and at one point I'm taking this girl's pulse, and I'm like, Oh, wow, it's really slippery. I said, you know, I said, huh, are you pregnant? And then she looked at me and then she like shook her head, like, please don't say anything. And I was like, oh, I must have made a mistake. And yeah, because it totally, you can tell when someone is pregnant. So it's quite funny, actually. Uh, but having said that, there are pulse masters, which I am so not one of them, uh, that take your pulse for 45 minutes. Like you sit there for a long time, but they can tell you things like when you were five years old, this event happened that is now emotionally impairing your life in your large intestine. And you're like, what? And that is to me mind blowing because those people are pulse masters and they can tell you anything and everything. It feels like a psychic reading, but it's not. And so I am not one of those, but it, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's also interesting, too, that um, the pulse, like, you know, sometimes there's a rapid heart rate, right? And sometimes rapid heart rate could also go and um, give you the, like, the inkling that there's, the heart's overworking, right? So the heart's overworking because there's so much else going on in the body, right? There could be parasites, there could be liver malfunction. I mean, that's how like things like that we look at, right? So again, it's so different for everybody and each practitioner. I mean, I believe obviously that Chinese medicine is the oldest of, of medicine along with like the Ayurvedic practices. But at the same time, it's like if somebody wants to incorporate Chinese medicine, acupuncture, for instance, as an overall just wellness routine, what kind of, does that weekly, is that monthly, where someone who else is working towards a goal, what are like the frequencies of somebody coming in for treatment? And when someone comes in for treatment, is it just acupuncture? What, like, what does that involve with you? Yeah, that's a great question. So for the frequency of treatment, um, yeah, it is going to depend. You're right. If it's for preventative, and I've had patients for, you know, 
like 12, 13 euros that come once a month as a preventative, as a reset. Because acupuncture, I always say to people, the, the thing that I love about acupuncture the most is that it doesn't cure or treat anything. So people are like, well, why am I here? It doesn't cure or treat anything. It triggers minute nerves that send signal to the brain to for the body to literally harmonize and balance itself and heal itself. Really, Maya agrees. See, she agrees. Yeah, she's excited. She's like, and we'll talk about acupuncture for animals after when we get there. It's another question of mine, but continue. Yeah, but it that's exactly it. That's exactly why when people say, "Oh, acupuncture is placebo," it's because you believe it. I'm like, well, how does it work on animals? Because they don't know when you poke them that they're supposed to, you know, feel better. So why is it working on animal? Right? It can't be placebo for them, and that's exactly it because the the triggering of the minute nerve sends signal to the brain to heal itself because the body, as we all know, can heal itself. It just needs some trigger. That's why acupuncture is great for stress, for things that are that the body can self-heal. However, when there are things that the body cannot self-heal by itself, like you said, like if there's parasite, you can do all the acupuncture in the world, the parasites are still there. So then right. that's when you go into herb, right? You can right. go and use herb diet, and that is going to be more internal because the body can't heal. If you have pain somewhere, that can be, you know, acupuncture can decrease the inflammation. There's a lot it can do, but there's also, that's why the herbs are great because there's part where there's no way you can do it without the herbs. So right. you need herbs for certain things. If you have a fibroid in the uterus, the herbs are going to be the one shrinking it, not the acupuncture. The acupuncture are going to help prevent the fibroid from coming back, including the diet and rebalancing the body with everything else. That's right. why, you know, it's not just one thing. You're absolutely right. It's just, you know, putting everything together. So the frequency is you can come once a month for, uh, you know, keeping everything happy. I have patients that will come twice a year because they have a really weak immune system and they have allergies in the spring and they catch all the colds and flus in the winter. So they will come for preventative prior to the spring for like four weeks weekly for four weeks and four weeks in September weekly to boost your immune system. And then they have a much better spring and a much better winter without being sick. So those are the things that we, we we might do. If you have someone that comes, let's say, because they've had insomnia for 20 years, or someone that is trying to get pregnant, it's for fertility purposes, then we're going to have to do weekly session for a while. What I always say to people is, you know, people say, well, how do I know it's working? If, you know, I come every week, do I have to do 10 sessions to see that's working? Like 20 sessions, two sessions. So I always say your body's going to respond to acupuncture within two to three sessions. If after three sessions, there's no improvement in any part of your health, then this might not be the right avenue. I'm not the right practitioner and I'm not doing a good job. Because usually if someone comes from 20 years of insomnia, after three or two or three sessions, they might say, oh, I slept really well that night after acupuncture, but then the next night it came back. That's a progress. At least you had one night, right? Or they'll say, oh my God, I'm... I feel like I can handle and manage stress much better and I'm much more calm or my bowel movements are daily now and they weren't before. Any little improvement, that means your body is checking into rebalancing, right? So that gives us a clue. And as we get better, we can make the session a bit little wider, like, okay, you know, things are getting super good. You're doing everything you need to do. Let's do every two weeks, see what happens. It's great. And then we can do maintenance once a month if you want. And depending on how people want to do this. So hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, for sure. So now Maya's being very greedy because she was given a cucumber and now she wants the whole fridge. So that's Maya <laughs> expressing herself. Um, Small like, dog, but you know, she wants she, it all. She's so demanding. Um, so Farah, I have another question. So I have, I have so many questions, but um, you know, a lot of women I feel turn to acupuncture for fertility issues. Okay. Yeah. And, and maybe you can say, yeah, that's a lot of what's in my practice or, you know, what do you like, what about that helps the body prepare for caring life? Number one, number two, after that, can we touch on the yin and like the heat? So I think that's chi. Is that what you call it? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so those few things I want to talk about like fertility with acupuncture and why it's beneficial. And then looking at like explaining the chi and the yin and how that all plays into 
everything. Yeah. And actually we're going to, we're going to talk about it while we're talking about fertility. We're going to put it all together, I think. Um, so yeah, I do. <laughs> my practice is focused a lot on women's health. So not just fertility, but, you know, pregnancy, post-pregnancy, menopause, you know, all those kind of things, endometriosis, et cetera, PCOS. You do a lot of that too. So you, you're familiar yeah. with this. And so when it comes to fertility, you know, I always say, you know, when you plant a seed outside in your garden, you want to make sure the soil is really fertile. It's ready for the seed to grow and become the most beautiful, you know, whatever you're planting, uh, vegetables or flower or whatever it is you're doing. Well, it's the same with, you know, getting pregnant. It's two people. We need obviously, you know, the male and the female to, to get pregnant, but both the parties should be at the optimum health to conceive the optimum healthy baby right my mom literally smoked two packs a day during her pregnancy uh you know in the 60s that's french people for you um doctors didn't say anything i came out 10 weeks early had asthma my whole childhood and i told my mom that's because you smoked that's why i had asthma and she was like no it's nothing to do with you you know it's just like you had asthma you're just one of those kids and i'm like come on like it's my lung. You killed my lung with your smoking, right? Could you not see that? So now people know that you have to be healthy during the pregnancy. Like there is a big change. However, nobody thinks of getting healthy prior to and preparing the body or preparing the soil to plant the seed and make that seed a beautiful baby. So there's two things I will say. The first thing is it's important to be as healthy for both parties. It's not just a female. The female will carry the baby, but both parties should be you know, really healthy and not drink like tons of alcohol and all that while you're preparing. So that's the first thing. So when people come in, when I see women, women have tendency to be more yin, which means a lot of women that I see that are trying to get pregnant are on the cold side. On the other hand, the male is on the hot side. It's very Mm -hmm. common. Like if if you're in a couple that's a male-female relationship, often the woman will put her cold feet on top of the guy's calf because his calves are really, really warm. Her feet are cold, and at night, that's how they sleep, right? It's like they cool each other or warm each other. It's very funny, but it's an opposite. What happened during the fact that people are trying to get pregnant? The doctor will tell the male, the male is hot, he's very young, he's very hot, Young as in Y-A-N-G, not young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm French, so I always say that. It's not Y-O-U-N-G. It's Y-A-N-G, yin and young. So a male <laughs> is very young in nature, which is he's hot. So what do they tell the male that are trying to get pregnant? Do not go on a hot tub, right? That's mm-hmm. more heat to the testicles, and that actually right. keeps the sperm. So no right. heat for you. Um, you know, it's better if you're cool. On the other hand, for the woman, it's the opposite. She needs to have good blood circulation. And what promotes right. blood circulation usually is heat and warmth. So mm-hmm. what happens is I see a lot of women that I call coldies. They come to the practice and I'm like, do you get cold hands, cold feet? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, all this stuff. And then I'm like, do you feel cold easily? Oh, I love teas. I love warm food. I'm always cold. So I always said to them, you cannot grow a baby in a fridge. You can right. only grow a bun in the oven. We right. need you to be an oven, not a fridge, right? So that's the yin and yang kind of thing. So they're like, oh, and then it kind of resonates with them. So I'm like, we need to warm you up. So that's when we do moxa therapy a lot. We do acupuncture to try to make her the best oven, make her warm enough because we want to bring blood circulation to the uterus um, and the whole body so she can you know, really conceive because conception is, a, I call it a big bang. It's a lot of energy in conception, right? It's like swimming little guys and the little egg that descends and then poof, you know, they are making this fetus. And so it's a lot of action. It's very energetic. So you want to not be the cold ice cube. You want to be the energetic sun. So that's what I always usually tell people. So that's often people really understand that. And what's interesting is in, you know, I work a lot with fertility clinic because some people decide or you know the the route or their journey fertility journey is to go for IVF in vitro fertilization and so I do work in conjunction with fertility clinic that you know um, promote acupuncture as a good way to reduce uh, the side effects of drugs and medication and it actually increased the success of 
having a pregnancy with IVF because it brings a lot of blood circulation to the uterus when it needs to um, when we need to have implantation, which means the embryo has to attach to the uterus for a viable. Right. So yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because this is something you know I focus on quite a bit. Is that you know women listen? It's an emotional journey to get mm-hmm. pregnant, to lose, to miscarry, all of it. It's it's all of it is such an emotional journey, but what's really interesting is that people are in such a rush to get pregnant, but they're not in a rush to build the foundation, which is the home where they house a life. And it needs to be like you said, like, and I always say this, it needs to be a clean house before you can carry a life and you're better off to take six months or a year ahead of getting, obviously people get pregnant, you know, there's no good time to get pregnant, but for those who are, you know, struggling, take that six months, take that year to heal and to really clean up the house and, and, and give the baby a better chance, have less, you know, nausea and deficient, the deficiencies are what create all the yucks during pregnancy, the, the brain fog, the, all of that stuff. So being prepared and then having a life in you that's sucking you dry of everything there's a, there's a good way to do it so that you have seamless pregnancies and people forget that when they're in a rush to get pregnant. Oh my God. I can't believe you said that so well. I love it because it's exactly it. It's like, not only it's the rush, but you're absolutely right. People will say, Oh, I was the, you know, the unlucky one to get really bad nausea. It's not yeah. unlucky. It's because yeah. you were already depleted. So your body right. now is sicking like it's trying yeah. like the baby i always say the baby is sucking the life out of you yeah. but you didn't have life to start with right exactly so people yeah. forget that they forget yeah. that you know yeah. and then they're like oh i want to take this i'm like let's just like like balance your b vitamins and like people are like you know oh it's so common to have iron deficiency when i'm pregnant and like yeah but like it's not it's you didn't take care of yourself before and you didn't take care of yourself really during, you know, and it's also fascinating that people will abide by the do's and don'ts of what you can and can't do when pregnant, but they won't do those things before or after, you know what I mean? It's yeah. so fascinating. Um, so and you're right, because it's the same for after, you know, like exactly. the whole point is to have the pregnancy, the baby is here. And I, I'm I, sometimes one time, one of my patients who I treated for fertility and during the pregnancy had a baby because she sent me pictures saying, you know, her baby, blah, 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 uh, born that day, whatever. Three days later, I'm uh, uh, going grocery shopping and she's grocery shopping. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And she goes, oh, I came grocery shopping. I'm like, what are you doing outside of your house? You had a baby three days ago. And I understand yeah. that there's that superwoman, con- you know, like uh, sure. concept that everybody has. But in Chinese medicine and, in, you know, in a lot of cultures, it is, there is that 40 days from the time you have your baby, that 40 days after the baby came, you're supposed to do nothing but breastfeed, bond with your baby, sleep, yep. nothing yep. else. Not watch crazy uh, uh, shows with like murder and whatever, not read <laughs> bad things neither. Like, you know what I mean? Negative stuff. So, sure. Everybody should clean, cook for you, do everything and you should rest and recover. Women don't do that. And then they try to get pregnant for the second baby, like within a year, their body hasn't recovered. It's completely depleted and they're exhausted. And then they're like, I don't understand. I'm not getting pregnant. I'm like, your body's telling you something. It's like, slow down. You need to recover first. So that I see a lot as well for post is that people are ready to jump in doing everything. And in some cultures, like in the Chinese culture, the whole family is together, they move in together, they have, you know, the grandparents or the parents will take care of everything. However, our unit in Canada or in North America is we are by ourselves and often there's no help. And I get that it's harder to do, but at least do not get up within three days and go shopping. Yeah. And the fourth (laughs) trimester is, is a big trimester. Yes. And especially if women has had a C-section or the recovery, you know, is is hard or, and then, you know, there's no breast milk because she's completely depleted and all this is not, it's not, um, you know, bad luck. It's literally, that's exactly what we said at the beginning. You prepare 
really well. So you have a great pregnancy and you have a great post-pregnancy. Yeah. That has to be addressed, right? And I think we're so used to go, 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 do, do, do that the guilt of not cleaning your house two days after you had a baby is just bigger than anything else. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that fourth trimester, like that's a whole other trimester. So I'm glad that we touched on that. Another thing I want to touch on is, you know, I hear so often people talk about the wind gates. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain that a bit? Oh, there's a lot on that. <laughs> that's a big <laughs> that's a that's a big one. <laughs> there's a lot. Um, let's see. Okay, let's talk about wind in general. <laughs> in Chinese medicine, you know, we look at the cause of disease in a, a bit of a different way, as you know, because a lot of same thing with what you do and what complementary medicine does is we look at the root cause. And what, when I went to school, I remember, you know, the teacher said, there's only three causes of all diseases, all imbalances. And I was like, okay, there's only three causes. What are they? So one is the six pathogens. And I'm going to explain in a minute. Two is emotions. And three, this is the best part, is others. And I was like, what? <laughs> others? So basically it's a big umbrella. So Others encompasses trauma injury. Of course, you had a car accident. That's obviously a, a cause of, you know, being sick. Um, diet, lifestyle, um, you know, the amount of, obviously, stress, all your lifestyle, medication, uh, anything you ingest, anything you do that is going to put your body out of balance. Um, radiation, all this is part of it. So when people say, well, when you look at like, let's say breast cancer, what's the root cause? And I'm like, well, it depends on people, but it could be radiation. It could be diet. Uh, one of them also, which is part of others, is uh, genetic background. But again, genetic background doesn't mean it's an end or nail. There's, there's things that can be done. It doesn't mean that, okay, you're done and it's over. So there's a lot under that umbrella. But the first two are the one that in Chinese medicine, they say, um, are the most prevalent. So emotion is a huge one, right? Emotional stress, emotional trauma, things that we have constantly, people that are anxious all the time, that are fearful, that have worry, overthinking, that have sadness, that was depression. All those are going to create an imbalance in physically and emotionally in the body. So that's one. But the sixth pathogen is the first one we learned. And the six pathogens are wind, heat, cold, damp, dry, and one more that's called summer heat. So this is a big lecture. I'm not going to bore you with the whole thing because it's it's a big, you know, it's a big explanation. But what I wanted to say is instead of looking at viruses and bacteria, mm -hmm. they look, or TCM looks at pathogen invasion, which means right. something invades your body from the outside and now is inside. And we look more at what the symptoms are, you know, with the whole everything you have let's say you have a flu and somebody else has a flu you may not have the same symptoms maybe the person has a flu has sore throat and is coughing a lot of phlegm the other person is just like having uh fever and feeling irritable and they can't sleep but it's completely different flu right so what i love is you look at the symptoms of the pathogen invasion sorry i'm gonna cough no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about pathogen. That's funny. Um, <laughs> that's why. When there are pathogen, one of the biggest pathogen that we say that can, you know, invade the body. So let's say it's heat. If heat invade the body, it could be fever. That's the first one, right? It's heat, of course. So that's a symptom of external pathogen heat, and you have fever. But fever can come from bacteria, from virus, but also from sunstroke, right? right? You went to, that's also from the environment. Yeah. Or you were walking, yeah, like in the desert for so long and, you know, you have a heat stroke. So that's pathogen heat. You have pathogen cold that can invade the body again from the outside. So you can, again, you could have bacteria or viruses that do that. And one of the main symptoms is you really start to have chills, right? You're shaking, right. you have chills, you're really cold. And then you're starting, your body's starting to shut down, the blood, um, the heart rate goes down. But that could also be you falling into a frozen lake and you have hypothermia. That's also invasion of cold. So it's all about symptoms, not necessarily anything else. And one of the big one is wind. 
Because wind is in nature, because it's all looking at about nature and applying nature to our body. It's this transposition. So wind in nature moves a lot and change direction all the time, right? North wind, yeah. south wind, it moves. So it's the same in the body. When there's wind in the body, that means there's a lot of change and a lot of movement. So when we talk about wind gates and uh, anything that has to do with wind, internal wind means that you have anything that is going to be changing and shaking or moving. So tremors, twitches, uh, ticks, uh, Parkinson's, like shakings, anything, restless legs, um, that is wind in TCM because it's that movement. Anything that's also changing rapidly, like having a cold, you thought, because you woke up, you know, you're sneezing, you feel chilly, your nose is plugged, but by the end of the day, now you feel, oh, oh, I think it's a flu because now I have fever, sore throat, and I'm starting to cough, right? That's rapid change in a disorder, and that means there's wind. Wind penetrates the body from the head, the back, and the neck. That's why TCM, they will say, if it's cold wherever you are, you should always cover your head and your neck. So that's a very interesting way of looking at it. And a lot of practitioners will say, once I went to TCM school, I started wearing scarf in winter all the time. Which I also like, see, I think this is interesting because, oh, Maya, you think it's oh. <laughs> um, Is that, you know, I believe that in order to catch a cold or mm -hmm. something, there needs to be an initiation of bacteria and virus. Yes. So the whole put on a jacket, it's cold outside, or put on a hat because it's cold outside, it was always like funny to me. Right. So let me explain what happened. So when the, you know, the jacket and whatever, what happened is, is if your body is strong and healthy and you go outside and you go jump in the lake like Win Hof, or you just do, you know, cold therapy, it is going to invigorate you. It is going to be good for you. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to get a cold, right? For sure. Yeah. However, if your body is really weak, depleted, and deficient, and you're doing this, you're weakening it because your body can't handle that cold. And so it gets weaker, so now the bacteria will affect you. So it's not that you're catching a cold because, of course, it's, it is a bacteria. You can't catch it by sitting outside, but it will weaken the body to the point where any little bacteria is going to affect you much more than if I got that bacteria, I would kind of sneeze a couple of times and then I'm off, you know, I'm done. Right. Right. So that's what it does. So it depends on each person. So you're right. You're not going to catch a cold by taking your clothes, you know, not wearing. However, a lot of people are sensitive to, to certain things because they're depleted or imbalanced, right? So some people will say, oh my God, I hate the cold. I'm always cold. Then that means there's something not properly functioning in your body. You're, you're not regulating your temperature. Or someone will say, oh my God, I can't stand the heat. I hate the heat because this person's always hot. They have too much inflammation, so they can't do that. And there's people that are, don't like the wind. So I definitely know a lot of my patients that will say, I don't like uh, a fan on me. I don't like any right. like, wind on me. I feel like it's just, I, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. So that's always interesting for balancing because the wind in TCM is related to liver, which means there's an imbalance in the liver organ and also in the ability to get irritable, frustrated, and you know bitchy very easily. Right. So, you know, there's always a correlation. So hopefully that was, you know, the best explanation I could do. It you know, it's interesting. I've been hearing that like Wingate terminology, like floating around quite uh, frequently. Um, okay. So Claire, what are your best tips for working with uh, a practitioner? Like what should someone look for and how does somebody again, like what's the best way to incorporate it so that people could start right away yeah i mean you know the first thing is if you go see a, an acupuncturist to be aware that yes they're going to look at your tongue and take your pulse and ask you tons of questions that may not have anything to do with um you know what you came for uh but that's the whole point of it also emotions like we said is a huge part so that's something that you know when you first meet someone 
You might not tell them your life story because you don't know them yet. And there's a trust that has to be established. And that's okay. You know, like I've had patients that six weeks later will tell me about, you know, they're wanting to divorce their husband and feeling so overwhelmed because they have children, but they don't say that on the first visit. And now I understand why that person is in pain because they feel stuck. They feel like they don't know what to do because they don't want to, you know, they want to divorce, they're unhappy, but they feel the children are going to be the one suffering. So now they're stuck and it comes as pain. Now I know why the pain is here and I can make the correlation of the root cause and address the root cause. So that also impacts the treatment as well. So make sure to give as much information. Don't think that giving information to a practitioner is too much. There is yeah. nothing more details, the better. Yes. So the second thing is, um, you know, it's, and make sure you ask for diet. It's really important. You know this. It's really important to have the right food for this for each person. And that may change, right? What worked really well for me when I was in my 20s may not work the same when I'm in my 50s because I'm a different person. That I, you know, if I live, let's say, in Alaska and it's really cold, I might need to eat a lot more warm food. And if I live in Arizona, I'm probably going to have a lot more cooling food, right? Because I have to balance the environment I'm in as well. Depend, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, eating season is very TCM. So that's something that we recommend all the time. Watermelon in winter, eh, not the best thing. Should do it when it's, you know, summertime. So that's something we recommend as well. So when you go see an acupuncturist, some do, uh, prescribe herbs and herbal formulas. Some don't, uh, depending what their you know their their schooling was and what their graduation was about. Uh, Chinese herbs, you know, the difference. You asked me that question at the beginning, so I wanted to kind of touch quickly on this. But the difference between what's you know, let's say botanics, which naturopathic medicine does. You know, you do a lot of people do botanics or herbal uh, medicine, and a herbalist does too. What's the difference with the Chinese medicine practitioner? We do not ever, which is very TCM and it's it's his own way, doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Um, we do not ever give one herb. We don't say, oh, just take ginseng for the next three weeks. We always right. have a formula. So the formulas are a bunch of herbs, which may have ginseng in it, but other herbs to balance the formula so it's really well framed to address the problem you have without giving you side effects because people don't know, but there are side effects to herbs, right? And they may not be bad side effects, right? But let's say you take, you know, a, a lot of ginseng, for example, it's great. Ginseng is great, but it's very drying. So suddenly you have really dry bowel movement and, you know, it's really hard to, to, to really, you have to strain because your, your pellets, you have like hard, dry bowel movement and it's painful that might be because you're taking too much ginseng and in a formula, there'll be other herb to balance it out. So that dryness of ginseng doesn't affect you. Right. So right. that's why I love uh, Chinese herbal formulas because they're very balancing. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. one more, one more question. Um, when um, I lost my thought here, but I had a really good question. Oh, I know you have courses and we'll put everything that you offer in the show notes, but are you offering courses to people who are just generally have an interest or is it mainly for practitioners? Yes, mainly for students and practitioners. However, because I see more and more people are really interested, um, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something for the regular general population, like my patients, because I teach a lot to my patients and there's things you can, you know, there's points you can acupressure every day to calm your anxiety. There's a lot of things that we could do to address certain ailments that are, you know, you still need to look for the root of the problem, but at least temporary, get some relief on anything that, you know, um, we have acupuncture points that we do, you can do acupressure. Also diet wise, um, I'd love to do a course for the regular person on diet, on Chinese medicine diet, because it's, it's such a really good tool to have. Um, so that's something that I'm looking into doing, but no, right now my audience is mostly students and practitioners and that's what I'm doing. But a lot of people that, you know, like you talked about at the beginning that follow me on social media, uh, some of them are just really like you, super interested in learning other modalities that when you know, right? Like, because it's, I love to learn about Ayurveda. When I went to teach TCM in India uh, in 2019, I, I, I had no idea I would fall in love with Ayurvedic medicine, but 
Mm. I went there to teach and then they taught me so much. And I, I came back and I started reading all about Ayurvedic medicine because I was so fascinated by it. And it's been such a great learning experience. So yeah, learning is always good, right? So it, it's interesting because, you know, um, I, I studied Ayurveda in, in school and I, I think I got a hundred percent in the course. I didn't retain much of it, you know, now, but that's where to me things get confusing because Ayurveda is based on different doshas. Chinese medicine is completely different in the sense that, you know, some doshas, doshas have more heat and some have more water and some have, so it's so confusing when you are trying to take from each aspect of different practitioners and to, and to combine it. And that was kind of where my, like that first question was, because I think it's really interesting because I think each modality has validity to it. Right. So right. I always find it really interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, Clara. You're, right. You're, right. you're right. Because Ayurveda has like four elements. Chinese medicine has five elements. They look at them. The, they, you're right. The three doshas, TCM has five personality kind of like, you know, and body type and stuff. So it's a little bit different for sure. So it's kind of like good to look at one. But when you look at the second one, you see a lot of similarities, you know, like all chakras are acupuncture points and they do the same thing. And so that's so cool to me. Right. So, but yeah, you're right. It is, it's not easy because you kind of, sometimes it's a lot. <laughs> right. yeah. And you know, the one more thing that I think just, if we could talk about to, to wrap up this call, the benefits of cupping, and what that really does. Because for me, I love it. I think it feels really good. Um, and I know it's really good for like pulling inflammation out. But in the original, back in the OGs, they used to cut skin and like blood lead from it, right? Now it's very different. So can we just do a quick cupping conversation before we wrap up? Yeah, for sure. I love cupping too. I, I think a lot of my patients like it. I love to receive cupping. I'm like you. Um, so cupping is interesting because it is a modality that is part of Chinese medicine, but it is everywhere in the world. It's been in Egypt for 2000 years, like in Africa, in the Middle East, in, in all the Middle East countries, they do, they do it in Russia, they do it for thousands of years, for a long time. They used to use pottery and glass, and then it became more plastic. You, you have different kind of, but they used to use clay pot to do it like way back in the day. And so in the Middle East and then in Africa specifically, they did a lot of bloodletting. So this is usually in Arabic, it's called hijama. So mm -hmm. uh, it's the same thing. It's cupping, but they do bloodletting. And we in Chinese medicine do also bloodletting, but not a lot of practitioners will do this, um, which is, you know, you basically prick the, the area or the acupuncture point or the area you're trying, you prick to bleed, and then you put the cup over it and you suck the cup is a suction and now the blood will come out within the cup, right? So that was to do, that was really uh, used a lot for infection, for uh, detoxifying, specifically for alcohol detoxifying uh, or drugs detox detoxifying. So that was used a lot. Now we don't do a lot of bloodletting, but we still do a lot of cupping. And there's different cupping. You can cup by leaving the cup or you can move the cup back and forth. So when we move the cup, that's often when there's muscle tension, like in your traps, right in the back, uh, in your IT band on the side of your leg, like that is going to release the tension, the tightness. You can do it on the calf. However, that's quite painful, uh, depending on how much you suck the skin in the cup. So that's often with moving cup. When we leave the cup and they're static and they stay on an area, Often this is for, um, yeah, detoxifying, for inflammation, for infection as well, to bring fever down as well. Like you can cup uh, your C7 in the back um, of a child. So a C7 area, your cer seventh uh, cervical vertebrae area, you can cup that for a child and that will bring the fever down really quickly. Uh, if the fever is too high and you don't have, you know, anything around, that works really well. So there's a lot of things that we can do for cupping. Cupping is really good also to bring collagen to the face. So more and more cups are used to, you know, use on the face. And that's really good to bring collagen back. So for, you know, wrinkles and, and fine lines and all that. So that's used in a lot of ways because it brings circulation to the area. Can you be purple at the end? Yes. This is why we saw a lot in athletes. You know, I remember in the Olympics, they would show like 
you know, swimmers and athletes use cupping a lot because it's really good to for recovery when you use your muscles so much and they're tense and you can stretch all you want, but the muscle is overworked because, of course, you're an athlete and you do the Olympics, so you're overworking your, your body. So cupping will relax the muscle so you can use it again and again. So it's a really good therapy um, to have on hand, and it is worldwide use. Um, in Russia, they use it all the time for hangovers, for the next uh, for the next day after too much vodka. That's what they use it for. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And, you know, it's interesting because it's also the blood, st blood stagnation and circulation. So usually when I'm cupped, my marks go away, like, so fast, like, within 24 hours. And other people, it lasts, like, weeks, and they're really dark, and they're really purple. Yeah, so people that last a long time for the healing process are people that have a hard time healing fast are also the people that are going to get lots of bruise and the bruise will last like three weeks before it goes away. And those people are usually uh, deficient. So they could be anemic. They could be iron deficient. There's usually a deficiency in the body. And that's why the healing process is slow because it shouldn't last that long, obviously. Um, yeah. So we see that a lot as well. But, you know, it's always good. Now people are used to it. When I first started practicing, you know, there was no internet and no pictures of people with you know, marks and cups, marks on their back or whatnot. And I remember like, you know, you tell your patients they're all good with it. And then one of my patients went home and her husband saw the mark and he freaked out. He called me and he was like, what did you do to my wife? He was so upset. And she apologized for him after she's like, I explained to him, but he didn't get it. And he was, you know, he was loving her. He was defending her. He was like really concerned, which is good. But nowadays people know that you are going to have a bruise and it's not a bad thing. It just means we bring everything to the surface, right? So blood circulation. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Clara, I love you. And I'm so grateful we got to do this and I'm so excited for others to hear it is there any last anything that you want to throw out there before we wrap i'm so glad you asked me uh, you know i'm so glad i went on and and we're talking because you know we haven't talked for a while and you know we, we used to talk all the time and then um you know in other platform and then and then we haven't talked so we kind of see each other on social media but it's great to connect so i'm, I'm glad we did this because we've been wanting to meet and the, the star haven't aligned yet but it's coming i know it will be coming so when it comes to you know chinese medicine it's like i think in medicine in general like i always say to people you know look for the root cause it might take you two years three years to figure out but be your best health advocate because my mother who lived to be 92 even she smoked two bags a day um she i know on her own like literally on your own on her own so men who yeah i hope i live that long uh, because i don't do all those things that she did but what she used to say and what i always take we had no money growing up we lived in a, you know my mom was a single mother of three we had a one bedroom apartment and we washed in the sink we didn't have a bathroom we used a toilet at the end of the hallway with six other apartment and i would complain all the time we have no money you know i don't even have a bedroom blah, blah, blah. like complain all the time as a child and she used to say we have our health and that's all that counts and i remember as a kid you're like oh, who cares who cares but as adults we all know you're gonna have millions if you don't have your help, you have nothing. There is nothing better because with your help, you can accomplish the world. You can go get money. You can do whatever you want. But if you don't have your help, it's not possible. So I think that's what I always like to leave people with. is like be your best advocate because there's nothing more important than taking care of your health. Preventative health and treating once things, you know, go haywire or, you know, out of whack. So. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I agree. I think that's the perfect way to end it. So many people chase being rich and then they forget about their health. And people are also hesitant to invest in their own health as if Starbucks or the Louis Vuitton bag or whatever else becomes a priority. Um, people need to rethink about that and invest in weekly practices in the proper supplements and things that really fuel the body instead of focusing on the shit that doesn't matter so i think that it's was so true oh, it's so true it's like time you know like people can watch like six episodes on netflix and that's fine that's what you want to do for six hours but when you say could you meditate 20 minutes a day oh i don't have time yeah uh, okay 
<laughs> where do you prioritize right so it's the same with money it's like well i can go out and you know have dinner and drinks with friends for a hundred dollars but if i have to buy you know supplement for like 50 bucks oh that's too expensive yeah exactly <laughs> i hear you i hear it every day but um thank you and and i'll make sure we put all your links so people know where to find you and your amazing accounts and to follow you for all the amazing content you put out. I love you so much. And I can't wait to see you in person. We missed each other by a few days when I was in Vancouver. But I will definitely come at, back out west because you live in nature's playground. So, Thank you. I can't wait. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Love you too. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to come to Montreal at Christmas. Okay. This is all we're going to do. <laughs> I hope I'm not here. So if you want to stay here, you can stay here because I hope I'm somewhere really warm. Okay. I, I hope that too for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll be in touch and thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in guys to the Holistic Bitches Unfiltered. I hope this episode fills you with so much more information, having that what the fuck moment and maybe a little laugh. Take care. Be healthy. Do you stay strong? Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Bitches Unfiltered podcast. I hope you got what you came for and you're eager to return for future episodes. My one ask is that you hit the subscribe button and if you could be so kind to leave a raving review. Sending you so much love, light, healing, and inspiration to be a better you. Peace out, friends.